Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. This week, Joel Nagel preached a lesson titled, The Kingdom is the Answer. Amen. Oh, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you. I got to tighten this podium up. Tighten things up up here. You guys have been asking for that for a long time. Here we go. Um, it's great to see everybody. Cliff, thanks so much for the communion message. That's the first like separate communion message we've had in like a year and a half. We've been trying to keep our services shorter, and we condensed everything, and we're slowly uncondensing. Um, and so thank you so much, brother. Super appreciated. Um, hey, I do want to say back on the back table there, there are books that are free for you guys today. Um, this one, Gentle and Lowly, uh, is a really good book about the character and heart of Jesus It's free for everybody who's here, not just one per couple. Actually, every single person can have one of these. Uh, I do want to say it does have a little bit of a a Calvinist doctrinal slant. If that, you know, just take it with maturity. But I feel like I need to say that. So there it is. And then this book is for all the married couples. This is one per couple. Or if you're getting married, which I'll talk about in a second. um, This is called Better Than Wine. This is by Steve Sane. And Steve was our, our visiting shepherd last year. And this just got published in the last couple of months, uh, but there's one for every couple. Um, and we're so grateful that the Brents are our visiting shepherds now and uh, wait, waiting for your book to come out soon. That's what happens to everybody who... A uh, um, couple other things that are cool, like people are doing awesome stuff right now. We're doing awesome stuff by worshiping the Lord. Uh, the uh, Doug Reeves right now is, is run, uh, I think he's probably still on the bike, maybe he's running now, in a half Ironman Um, which is, like if you saw the Olympic triathlon, it's actually twice as long as the Olympic triathlon up in uh, northern Michigan. So that's pretty cool uh, that he's doing that. Um, And then um, Mindy Richmond, uh, she is legally deaf and legally blind, and she is running a marathon right now from Grand Haven down to Holland. And so people are doing really cool stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of our kids are in sports right now, and I think it's so encouraging to go to the to the games, the meets, and encourage them. If you talk to the parents, get a schedule. Um, it's just awesome. To, that's a great way to fellowship uh, with uh, and, and to show our love uh, by being big supporters, big fans. That's what grace means, to be a big fan. So, uh, amen. Um, I do want to say the, the time with the Brents today is open for all uh, married couples, people who are going to be married, and parents, and people who are going to be parents. Uh, so that's a pretty wide range. The reason I say going to be married is because uh, Ola and Omalara uh, are going to be married tonight at 7 here, uh, which is so awesome. Um, if you haven't met uh, Omalara, she uh, is from Nigeria, uh, and she's just gotten here this week, uh, and they've been dating and, and engaged and are going to, to be married in a very, very small ceremony uh, but that's uh, very, very exciting. So you guys are welcome to come if you're not too busy <laughs> uh, with all the other things. So amen. All right, let's look in Luke chapter 8. We'll get into the message. Uh, this is a, uh, a sermon I've been waiting to preach um, and so excited as we've done this, uh, this series called Eats with Sinners as we're looking at the hospitality of Jesus. Um, I've From the very beginning of the series, I've been so excited to preach this message. Um, And it's really more than just a sermon today. This is a doctrinal statement. This is a long-held belief that we've had since our church was founded, that we will continue to hold to, 
And so I think saying that, it's, it's a big deal, but also it probably won't be anything new. Um, but we'll put some new stuff in there that I think you'll see something in the scriptures you've never seen before that I'm excited to share with you. Uh, but this is an important reinforcement, uh, something fundamental uh, to our church body, uh, the body of Christ that Clifton talked about. Uh, and, and so the, the message, the whole message is, the kingdom is the answer. It's kind of like Jeopardy. We're starting this message with the answer. The kingdom is the answer. And so you might think, well, what's the question? And that's what's so amazing about this answer is it doesn't matter what the question is. The kingdom of God is the answer. And I'm going to show this to you in the scriptures. Luke chapter 8. Let's start with with a couple of amazing stories uh, that are shared here by Luke. It says in Luke 8 verse 40, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And, And remember last week we talked about He went across the lake, and a very demon-possessed man was there. Jesus conversed with the demons, and he had authority over the demons, sent them into pigs, and so now they're back. Everyone was waiting for him to come back. And it says, uh, there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace." While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what happened. All right. So this is an amazing story. It's so incredible. Two stories in one that reveal to us the heart, and the power of Jesus. And so it starts with the news that the synagogue ruler's 12-year-old daughter is dying. Jesus and his disciples, they make their way through the narrow city streets. You can imagine these narrow streets, and crowds are pressing in on all sides. Like they're having a hard time even walking. And in the midst of all of this, this pressing, Jesus feels power 
go out from him. And he stops the whole procession to find out what happened. And this seems ridiculous, and the disciples are like, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? But of course, Jesus is right. And as we read, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years pushed her way through the crowd, reached out, and managed to just brush the fringe of his garment. She, she, it's like she tapped a stray thread, and immediately her 12 years of physical, emotional, spiritual struggle ended, and she was healed. Isn't that amazing? She knew it, and Jesus knew it. And so he stops, and he asks the crowd, who touched me? Who received my power to heal? He could have kept moving. It seems like the disciples even thought he should keep moving. There is a dying girl, after all. But Jesus wants to not just heal this woman physically. He wants to make sure that she knows that her soul is also cleansed. Jesus doesn't do half healings. He doesn't heal just a little bit. He, and only he, is able to fully heal mind body, soul, spirit. And so she comes forward trembling. Can you imagine the the crowd splitting? And she's just shaking. And she tells Jesus her story. You wonder, why was she so afraid? You know, in, in Jewish law, if you were bleeding, you were unclean. You actually weren't allowed to touch people or to be touched. For her to push through that crowd, she must have touched many people, making them ceremonially unclean. She Even, even her touch of Jesus, it's, it's an illegal, according to, to the Jewish law, Ill, she illegally touched Jesus. What she did was bold. It was desperate. And Jesus doesn't let this go unnoticed. And she's like, I wish you would let this go unnoticed. He stops long enough to talk to this woman. You know, last week we talked about how Jesus even talked to a legion of demons. He's so conversational. And, he, and, and I love this because Jesus is the truth, and yet he asks questions. He listens. And that's how we know that she bled for 12 years. And that's how we know that she spent everything she had on doctors, but none of them could heal her. Think about this woman. She was spent. She was lonely. Her bleeding meant that for those 12 years, she had to distance herself from people. Think about being untouched for 12 years. And then think about how amazing it would be one touch of one thread from Jesus' garment, and she's healed from the inside out to the utmost. What do we draw from this? Well, the kingdom is the answer. You know, our our tendency when we're hurting, when we're desperate, when we're lonely or depressed, a lot of times is to spend all our energy, all our money, our everything to find healing, to get fixed. 
The gospel tells us that we live in a fallen world. That's fundamental to Christians. We live in a fallen world. The world is broken. It's bleeding. It needs healing. We get hurt by the world. How can we help a hurting world? How can we get help when we ourselves are hurting? Do you know the answer? It's the kingdom. The kingdom is the answer to our hurting world. It's the answer to our hurt. You know, I think we know this on the surface, but a lot of times, like this woman, we, we still spend ourselves on all kinds of things that don't actually provide healing. Faithful followers go to Jesus and his kingdom for healing because the world is not the answer. But just a brush with Jesus can completely change whatever is broken, whatever is bleeding. How many years, I hope it's not years, will we spend all that we have over and over again only to realize the bleeding still hasn't stopped? A broken world can only offer broken solutions. They will not work no matter how good they seem. But come to Jesus and his kingdom and your faith will make you well. You can go in peace. Amen? Amen. This seems like a happy ending, but then immediately... What happens next is this, this messenger comes, and very to the point, there's no compassion there. Like It's just like, your daughter's dead, leave him alone. But there's this, this 12-year-old girl who's dying. That was the mission Jesus was originally on. And they find out she's dead. It's too late. You know, I think a lot of times we find ourselves in a similar situation as this as well. We're either wasting our efforts on worldly cures or we're giving up entirely because we've, we've judged the situation is a lost cause. Any hope that we had to stop the bleeding, any hope that we had for healing, for new life, we're like, that. I had hope, but my hope has died. But there's an alternative to giving up. And of course, it's the kingdom. How powerful is the kingdom of God? How absolute is the power of Jesus? He can stop the suffering of a woman who bled for 12 years. He can cast out a legion of demons. We talked about that last week. A legion is four to 6,000. That's a lot of demons. That's like superhero level stuff. But there's a greater enemy than, that, we're, that we're all facing. And we got to be honest here. Paul was really honest about this in 1 Corinthians. If our king... In our kingdom, 
has even one enemy that he can't defeat, then he's not really God. He's not worthy of our worship. Our hope is that Jesus and his kingdom is even the answer to death. Remember I said the kingdom is the answer to everything. Every single issue. Every ill in our society. Every personal struggle. But even death. Even death. If you're keeping count as we've been going through Luke, this is now the second funeral that Jesus interrupts. He goes in and they laugh at him. They scoff. And maybe when I say the kingdom is the answer, the only answer, maybe you scoff as well. You think about the relationships that have died in your life. You're like, no. What what did the kingdom do for that? It's dead. You think about the, the hope that you had that has gone dark and you sigh. But our God raises the dead. The kingdom is the answer even when death is the question. How incredible is that? There's nothing that the world can fix. The world can't fix death. And there's nothing that the kingdom can't fix. It's always the answer. This is what we believe, church. This is This is what the core leadership believes. This is what the staff believes. This is what our house church leaders believe. This is is what our Go With God Bible study series teaches. The kingdom is the answer. Do you believe that? I think maybe some of us still don't believe that. I want to end by showing you a deeper layer in this text. And I pray that it will enlighten you and drive this conviction home that the kingdom is the answer. Not an answer, the answer. Are you ready for this? All right. I know I'm going to get to it, but I'm going to say this. Some of you might be saying, Joel, Joel, you keep saying the kingdom is the answer. And I'm saying it a lot, aren't I? But this passage, what, what does it have to do with the kingdom? This is a passage about Jesus. What does this have to do with the kingdom, which is us? The kingdom is the church on the earth. It's the body of Christ. And in the heavens, it's the heavens because Christ is there and everyone's like, yeah, that's the kingdom. Down here, people get confused. You might say, well, Jesus and the kingdom, they're not exactly the same thing. Isn't, so Jesus is the answer, but is, is the kingdom the answer? If that's your question, if you're saying, Joel... I want to give you the first, I'll give you two answers. First, the short answer. The kingdom is the answer. And now I'm going to explain why, okay? Luke. Luke is so awesome. Um, Luke is using a little numerology here. That's, that's numbers with a special meaning, meaning. There's something deeper going on. A little numerology. This isn't like Revelation-level numerology with the 144,000 and all the sevens and all that stuff. Okay, that's big time. But do you remember how long the woman bled for? Twelve years. Twelve. And how 
old was the girl who was dying? She was 12, wasn't she? Okay. So we got this number 12 in this story two times. When we get to Luke 15 in a few weeks, which I can't wait to preach about Luke 15, um, we'll see Jesus tells three parables, and they all have the same meaning. And that's like that chapter, I love it because there's three, and it's like you got to get this point because there's three. And three is the magic number in the Bible. If you see three of anything, alarms should go off, sirens like woo, woo, pay attention if you see three. So over here we've got the number 12, and we've got it twice. Listen to this. 12, what's the significance of 12 in the Bible? 12 is the kingdom number. It's the number of sons that, that Jacob had. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And so the sons of Israel, the sons of Israel, the sons of Israel were 12. Later on, it becomes the number of tribes of Israel. That means that God's people on the earth in the Old Testament were represented by 12 tribes. It's a kingdom number. And so we've got 12 years of bleeding, a 12-year-old girl. You've got a healing and a resurrection. If there was one more 12, we could get three 12s. Oh man, it would be, there should be a neon, like your Bible should just have neon flashing in it, right? All right, I think you know where this is going. Let's read the very next thing Luke writes in Luke 9, verse 1. What does Jesus do next? He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Oh, man. Are the alarms going off? There's the 12 right there. After healing a woman who tried all the other ways to fix her problems for 12 years, and after showing that he even has power over death by raising a 12-year-old girl, he calls the 12 together and he sends them out to do two things. To proclaim the kingdom of God to heal. The other reason, of course, that 12 is a kingdom number is because of this, because Jesus appointed 12 apostles from among his disciples. What is Jesus' plan to bring salvation to the whole world? You guys want to say it this time? The kingdom is the answer. What is Jesus' plan to bring healing to the bleeding, the hurting, the broken, the lonely. You guys want to say it? 
The kingdom is the answer. We've talked about this. Jesus, he could have come with a megaphone. He could have appealed to the masses. He could have just shown the world his power at one time. And maybe we want this sometimes. Like, it's easier maybe if Jesus just like, boom, you got to believe. He did not do those things. He trusted 12 to take the gospel to the whole world and establish his kingdom on the earth. He was set that this is the way. From the beginning of his ministry, he starts calling fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. And he's, this is the way it's going to happen. You think, well, was that the right way? Here we are. A product of this, this evangelism that happened right here. And so we know, yes, the kingdom is the answer. And he makes sure, this, this little speech, he makes sure that his disciples didn't take anything with them. And I, and I don't think Jesus is like purposely making it harder for them. Um, you know, that's not, the, that's not the point. What he's saying is, you only need the kingdom. It's not the kingdom plus an extra tunic. It's not the kingdom plus an extra bag of money or a staff to lean on when things get tough. It's just the kingdom. There's not the kingdom and this other thing that are the answer. The kingdom is the answer. And these 12 did it. They established the kingdom of God on earth by the power of Jesus. A kingdom that supersedes all worldly kingdoms for all history, for all time. And we get to be a part of that kingdom that Jesus sent the 12 out to proclaim. That's incredible. So as a church, this is what we do. We get to change the world. We get to help the bleeding that's still happening in our world. We get to help heal the hurts in one another. But not by our power. Only by the kingdom. How do we do it? How do we make a difference in a dark world? A fallen world? How do we help the hurting that are around us? Well, what do they do? One by one or two by two, we proclaim the kingdom of God. That's why, you know, we have this Bible study series, Go With God. It's so important. Every single disciple, every member of the kingdom here gets to be on the mission to save a soul, to help the world. Think about how the world changes, even when one person makes Jesus the Lord of their life. When they throw off their old kingdom of self and take on the new kingdom of Jesus. The whole world changes a little bit every single time. That's how powerful this is. Do you ever wonder what you should be doing as a disciple of Jesus? What can you do even today after you leave here? It says in verse 6, They departed, and they went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. We each have a village at home that needs the kingdom of God. Tomorrow you'll go to your village at work. It needs the kingdom of God. Your classroom needs the kingdom of God 
You are not powerless. You have Jesus. You have the kingdom. You have this to bring people to to touch. Just like the 12 apostles, you can proclaim the answer to whatever your friends, family, classes, whatever they're seeking, whatever their question is, you've got the answer. doesn't matter what the question is, brothers and sisters, because the kingdom of God is the answer. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God. Thank you.